1: When Turner Overdrive Never hurt anyone <laughs> 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 All right, thanks for being here I guess uh, they get mad When we play too much music What's going on? We should be more music That's going to be the motto On this show Um, yeah Great choice. All right, so I want to talk about the economy. And so there are a couple of headlines that are important to consumer confidence slipped in February. People are beginning to worry more and more about a recession, whether that's accurate or not. The soft landing, whether we're in a recession, you start using that word recession. It becomes a very big political term. People are concerned about finances and interest rates. They don't believe that there's going to be a drop in interest rates. There certainly isn't going to be in March. And that was the original prediction. So people are concerned that it may not happen soon enough. Whether it comes true or not, we don't know. Perception is reality. The economy grew um, as grown in the last month. It didn't grow at the pace that they expected, which has other people worried that it's not growing fast enough that we are not seeing this climb out that we had hoped for. I'm just giving you some of the headlines. But this other part of it, and I talked about this earlier today, top lawmakers strike a funding deal potentially averting a weekend shutdown. I said I didn't talk much about the potential shutdown because this happens all the time. We hear this screaming from both sides of the aisle about how critical it is and how bad it's going to be if the government shuts down. And then at the last minute, all of a sudden, it's like watching um, a soap opera or watching a show that you know how it's going to come out right at the last minute. They get something done and they kick the can down the road, which they've done once again. So this issue is one that's critical, but it's one that they can continue to postpone. And that's what they've done this time for a much shorter period of time, eight days. But these top lawmakers do this top lawmakers closed out negotiations on agriculture, FDA, energy and water, military construction, uh, transportation, HUD, uh, interior environment, commerce, justice, science bills, assigning all of those a deadline of March 8th. So, And there are other things in the government they're talking about funding. I went on a little bit of this rant earlier because this idea that what we're doing in our society, is, is we are pitting one against the other instead of us being us against them. And what I mean by that is You and I may not agree politically on much and we may not agree on everything. You know, it depends. But we should all have a healthy suspicion of the people we elect. Not that they're bad people. There are many people that we like that have been elected to office. But we have to, just like a boss does, you have employees If you've ever run a business, worked for, owned, where you've been in management, if you manage people, I've worked with some amazing people and I've had some amazing people that have worked for me. But everybody has to be accountable to do their job. And someone has to oversee that that job is getting done. And if the job isn't getting done, as a manager, it's your job to ensure that it does. And your job is to make sure that they are doing their job. Give them the tools and the training necessary. And if they're not going to do their job, Jobs, train them up. If they can't be trained up, they got to go. That's what an efficient business does. But instead of us being as voters, having a healthy suspicion, unified in that suspicion of the people that we've elected to lead us, they have turned it on us where it's you against me and me against you. Rich versus poor, black versus white, gay versus straight, all of it. We are just segmented in that way. And so if you're gonna choose your political battles based on your identity and whatever that is, and therefore you think the other side of that equation is the enemy, then that's then who's gonna fix the problem? Well, of course it's the government that's gonna fix that problem for you. If you're a working class person, And now they've told you, well, the reason why you can't climb out of being working class and become wealthy is because the wealthy people have rigged the game so that the rich get richer. And there's no chance for you, unless, of course, unless, of course, what you could do is let us help you. We, the government, will stand in the gap. We're going to tax the rich. We're going to punish the rich. We're going to take it from them. And we're going to make sure that you're able to climb out of where you are. And 20, 30 years later, you're in no better position than you were before. I would submit that to anybody out there in any one of the communities out there that's been told by the government that they are going to help you and give you opportunities to climb out of where you are. You know who gave me an opportunity to climb out of where I was? Business owners. You want to know who it was that gave my mother an opportunity from not just having jobs, plural jobs, but a career? Business owners. She worked for a guy named Phil Strazis, and she worked for this guy who owned a real estate company. And she answered phones, and she cleaned the office, and she cleaned apartments and condominiums, and she did all those things. And he couldn't offer her a career; he could only offer her jobs. But his wife, Cindy Strazis, who actually has moved and relocated here to Arizona, Cindy Strazis was the vice president of nursing in a major hospital group in Southwest Florida, and she needed an executive assistant, and gave my mother a chance at a, at a career where she had a 401k and really good health insurance and benefits. And she got an opportunity at a career and worked for 27 or 28 years. My mom did the work, but she was given an opportunity at a career by a business owner, not by a government agency. My mom never took a, a, anything from the government. Um, and I'm not I'm not denigrating anybody who is on government assistance. I'm saying my mom was not, her problems were not solved. Her problems were not addressed by a government agency. It was by a private entity. I entered the trades and everything I learned and I climbed myself up to business ownership with the assistance of business owners, the people that I worked for. The government never did anything for me, nor should it. But this idea that you're going to hear from one political party or the other, that they're the answer to your problems, we are just going to vote for us and we're going to tax those evil rich people. We are taking money from the job creators. And the way this is supposed to be is all of us collectively are supposed to have a healthy suspicion of them the same federal government that is telling you right now that we had high gas prices because of greedy oil companies, we have high food prices because of uh, greedy grocery stores and shrinkflation because food manufacturers just want more money in their pockets and going after their greed. Let's assume for a moment, just for a moment, that all of that's true. Let's not even fight about whether or not private industry is greedy. Let's say they are. You have a government that grew twice as fast in 2023 as it did in 2022, the budgets for our federal government continue to climb. If you're in a bad place, and I'm in a bad place financially because of what's going on in our economy, what makes the government believe it can get bigger? And Bigger in the sense that it collects more money. Isn't that greed? Isn't the money that they take in greed? Isn't it the fact that the federal government continues to confiscate more wealth from the American people? And then with that wealth, they are still creating record amounts of debt by borrowing and printing money. Isn't that greed? Why is it that you can look at the private sector and shake your head at what a CEO makes for a corporation and say that that's obscene amounts of money? No one needs that kind of money, but we have no problem saying that a superstar athlete's entitled because of their skill set to make the same kind of money on an athletic field or a court or an actor makes $50 million per movie. That's perfectly fine because they're an amazing actor. Why is it? that CEOs of business are seen as these obscene, greedy people. Not only that, the government continues to confiscate trillions of dollars from the US economy, money they haven't earned. Let's go, to, uh, just the last example will be the greedy oil companies. You see the oil companies are, uh, all the high gas prices and the obscene profits. How much money does the federal government and the state government here in Arizona, how much do they get in taxes on fuel? How much money do they get? They don't earn any of it. They don't do anything for it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be paying taxes. uh, Taxes are a necessary thing. But they are taking money. They're not giving it back to you. When they say they're going to cut the subsidies for oil companies and all this other stuff, they're not lowering the gas tax so you get a break at the pump. So this idea that we have—we uh, have these honorable, good people in government that want to just protect the poor and the working class, and it's the evil people in the private sector that are the problem—is a narrative that I think is dangerous. We all should have a healthy suspicion of the government. In a moment, we catch you up on the big news stories of the day. We call it "Did You Hear This?" So stick around for
0: it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
2: Former President Donald Trump and President Biden have the same travel schedules today as both are heading to different towns in Texas along the southern border. House Speaker Mike Johnson says there is a stark difference between how these two handled border policies. One president was building a wall, President Trump. He was cracking down on those trying to cross the border illegally. He was supporting our CBP agents. He used his executive authority to stop illegal immigration. And the current president, Biden, he's doing exactly the opposite of all those things. Is there a way that President Biden can improve his polling on immigration issues?
1: It it depends. Uh, Here's the rock and the hard place for the president. If he gains support from the average American because everybody's complaining about what's happening, there's part of his base that he's going to alienate. But I do think he can. If he says to cities like New York and others that are a lot of his voter bases, if he says to them, we are cracking down on the border, we are going to make it more difficult difficult to come to this country and apply for asylum. We're going to have a stricter, um, I, I, I should say a more stringent criteria before we allow you even to get a hearing. I think that would go a long way. I don't know that he will do that, but if that message got sent that you can no longer say the magic words and stay, that would stop the people from coming and that would help stop the flow as heavy as it's been. And I think if he did that, he would win over some people and win them back in his own party.
2: A plan to allow local police to arrest and detain undocumented immigrants in Texas has suffered a legal setback. The law, styled Senate Bill 4, was to take effect next Tuesday and would give local police officers and sheriff's deputies authority that previously was reserved for federal Border Patrol agents. And U.S. District Judge David Ezra says immigration policy is still a federal responsibility, and he's blocked the implementation of SB 4. What does this
1: really say about how border states can
2: handle immigration
1: policy? Yeah, it's tough because of you and I. It's not apples to apples, but does that mean local police can't arrest somebody for robbing a bank? That's a federal crime. We know that that's not the case. This is one of those issues that people are frustrated with. Who brought this lawsuit? Why are people upset about this? If local law enforcement is seeing a crime in progress, why can't they make the arrest? Is it that they can't hold them? They have to be held over for detention and prosecuted in a federal court? Whatever those things are. What it shows is the frustration. When local jurisdictions are having to suffer for the failure of the federal government and they have no recourse, people get more frustrated. And that's exactly what this is. They want to get something done, the federal government's not doing it, and now they're being told they can't do it either. That's what's making them angry. You're listening to Did You Hear This. We do it every day at 1120 to catch you up on the big headlines.
2: Congress has once again kicked the proverbial can down the road as they reached a deal to keep parts of the government funded for the next few weeks. The House and Senate have just eight days to make the permanent spending deal. Money for half the government runs out March 8th, the rest on March 22nd. And March 8th date could be a problem, as it is the day after President Biden set to give his State of the Union address. Congressional leaders insist they have a deal on six of the spending bills. They'll do it a week. What will it take to fully
1: fund the government? Man, they've been doing this for such a long time. The the issue has got to be on spending, and I think that's where the division is. But I don't think either side is articulating what their issues are to the American people. You've got to take your case to the American people, and I I certainly know the Republicans aren't doing that. The, The amount of debt that we are creating and the spending that we are doing, we've got to rein it in. And I think most Americans agree with that. People are very concerned about the debt we've created. So that needs to be addressed. And they're not going to waver from that Are they going to get a deal done? Of course they are It's an election year Neither side wants to get blamed for this So something is going to happen Whether it's another continuing resolution Where they kick the can further down the road Or they finally get a deal done They're not going to let the government shut down in an election year
2: In case you forgot, today is Leap Day, where once every four years, February has 29 days and someone you may know is celebrating their rare birthday. While the chance of being born on any day is 1 in 365, the odds of being a leap year baby are 1 in 1,461. In Massachusetts, in 2020, the last leap year, there were only 164 leap year babies out of a total of 67,220 total births. Have you met anyone with a leap year birthday?
1: Not that I know of. I mean, really? I'm sure I have, but I don't, I mean, there's a lot of people, you don't you don't know their birthday until you've known them for quite a while. So I, I may have, but I, I, I said earlier today, my brother is an April Fool's baby. So my brother is an April 1st baby. So, and the true story is, uh, his name is Brian Christopher. He was supposed to be Kimberly Marie. So he truly was an April Fool's baby. That's funny. Not just born on April 1st, but yeah, there was a little a little bit of a surprise there. So I don't know that I know any leap year. Maybe if, you, if you're a leap year baby, if you're a leap day baby, and I know you, shoot me a message on Facebook so at least I can say I know one. I'll have to look at my Facebook friends. Maybe I can tell there. There you go. All right. Great job, Julia. She will be doing it again tomorrow with Kristen Benz because Kristen is in for me tomorrow. I'm going to be at the Right to Life March tomorrow as the MC at the rally, so I'm going to be doing that. Um, coming up in a moment, we're going to talk about this border visit and get into more detail. I've got some headlines of the crisis at the border and the frustration from cities and towns and what it's doing to the quality of life for not only Americans but for the migrants themselves. So we'll have that discussion next. Hey.
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News App. All right, so here are the
1: headlines. Denver is scaling back migrant services, closing four shelters in an effort to reduce their budget and save millions of dollars. The mayor says a shelter will close every week over the next month in an effort to reduce the budget by 60 million dollars in the city of Denver. Texas state troopers recovered five unaccompanied children in Eagle Pass, Texas. By the way, that's where Trump will be today. Um, and uh, they were carrying addresses for New York. The children aged in range, or ages ranged from five to eleven years old. So when we talk about why are the current and former president visiting, visiting the border today, it's because it has become a crisis that has become so bad that people are not sure exactly how they're going to address the problem. Now, this is what I think is going to probably upset people more than anything else. How Medicaid could help cover migrant housing costs. So the Biden administration is pushing for Medicaid to cover housing and other social needs um, for the blue cities and states that are overwhelmed by numbers of immigrants. Some Experts are already skeptical about whether covering housing through Medicaid, the low income health program jointly financed by states and the federal government is the best use of limited resources. So let's pause there for a moment. You want to know why this now has transcended political parties and political ideologies? You have got cities and states that are overwhelmed. Massachusetts, and and I'm not I'm not blaming them. I'm saying this is the reality. Massachusetts has a guaranteed shelter law. The city and state of New York are sanctuary cities and it's a sanctuary state. The city of Chicago, the same way, their voters are outraged and they want the sanctuary status lifted. Same with New York. The mayor of New York is wants a new law. They want the sanctuary city designation lifted. These are places that have been proud about the status and I'm not making fun. Believe me, this is not an I told you so. The idea, and I don't agree with it, but I understand a group of people saying, we are going to be a place of sanctuary. We don't care what your immigration status is. Uh, The sheriff, where that jogger was killed in Georgia, um, where she was murdered by the person in the country illegally. The sheriff of that county had said, he had run and campaigned and won his election on saying, we are not going to cooperate with ICE. We're not going to we are not going to do that. We're not going to endanger people. If they're here, they're here. And we're not going to aid the federal government in deporting people. Am I blaming that sheriff for that death? I'm absolutely not doing that. But all of those people with all of those idealistic policies are now seeing that when the reality happens, what looks good in theory is horrible in practice. Therefore, I'm going to defend my beliefs and the people that think like I do. You call yourself a sanctuary city, and you think you're kinder than I am. You think that you care more than I do. We always have this conversation when it comes to gun control. I'm not in favor of it, so therefore, you think you care more about children dying than I do. It's a it's a false narrative to, for you and an egotistical for you to believe you care more than I do. It's a it's a it's a well, it's a childish place to start the conversation. But now what you're seeing is the reality of this, and you've got cities and states that are going bankrupt. The city of Denver, $60 million in their budget they're trying to reduce. Because of this problem that's been created with sanctuary status and with migrants there, but now I want you to think about Medicare and Medicaid. I want you to think about the low income and the, and what helps for you know older people to get healthcare in their older years. I want you to think about those programs. And you listen, to, this is from both sides of the aisle. They will tell you that funding for Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security, these entitlement programs that we have made promises to people and we must keep them, they are in danger of bankrupting America and they are in danger of running out of money. How are they going to fix that problem? And now they want to use those limited resources and they want to endanger those programs even more to temporarily solve this problem at the border. So there is such a so many layers and depths to the to the presidents, plural, the two presidents, one former, one current that are visiting the Texas border, because this issue is becoming critical economically to very blue cities and states. And the blue president, the president Biden knows that his people are suffering and they're upset with him. He does not care that I'm upset, nor should he. I mean, I'm not I'm never voting for Joe Biden. So he doesn't and shouldn't worry about what I think. And he shouldn't pay attention to what Republicans think in that regard when it comes to the politics of running for reelection. But what the president should be worried about is how many people in his own party that are now saying you're doing nothing here. And it shows even more. And so this blame the other side, blame the other side is going to work with some people, but not in reality because – Let's go with New York. Let's just focus on New York. Um, The people, the the Democratic voters in New York don't like Donald Trump anyway. They're not going to vote for Donald Trump anyway. So they are going to say, we know what he's done. We we know what he's all about. We're not worried about that. We want to know what you're going to do. That's what they're all saying. The voters in Chicago with this low approval rating of their mayor because of his his stance on sanctuary cities and his stance on migrants. They're furious. They have called it an invasion. Chicago has called it an invasion. That sounds doesn't that sound like a right wing governor in Texas or in Arizona or somewhere else? That is the the liberal voting base in Chicago that's saying this. And so you can play the blame game and point the finger and just make people that don't like the right like the right less. But in the end, unless you've got a solution into what you are going to do without their help, because this president has shown the willingness to do things on his own. He is he has single handedly with a stroke of a pen against Supreme Court decisions, has canceled student loan debts for people when he was told by the courts he's not allowed to. But now, for some reason, he has no ability to do anything with this. And I just don't think he can sell that to the American people. And now they're floating the idea of Medicare and Medicaid that's meant for what group of people, the very group of people that this president claims to be a champion for low income Americans, the elderly people on fixed incomes. And he wants to take the pot of money as thin as it is, as in trouble as those programs are, and he wants to reallocate some of that money to provide housing and other services for people in the country illegally. How do you sell that to the American people? How do you sell that to the American people? And that's the the trouble. That is the problem that they have right now, is how are they going to sell it? You're going to do the blame game. There's no doubt about that. He's going to say that this is Trump's fault for interfering and not getting the other bill passed. But in the end what are you doing? Okay, let's say that they're horrible people for what they didn't vote on. What are you going to do? And until he's got an answer for that, there's going to be trouble. We're going to shift. Before we close it out, we're going to talk about those low-income people. We're going to talk about people that are hurting because the state of Arizona spends a billion dollars a year addressing homelessness. We're going to talk about homelessness and the potential for homelessness. We'll do that before we close it out. Stick
0: around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app.
1: All right. We just had a conversation about the economy and with the border. We've talked about these things, but now this is the issue. We talked about Medicare, Medicaid. We talked about people that are kind of in danger. We talk about people that are um, in danger of not having meals, um, and we talk about people that are in danger of losing their homes and we worry, you know, there are programs, there are safety net programs. We understand that it is, I think it's a community problem. The state of Arizona spends about a billion dollars a year on the issue of homelessness. And it turns out to be about $40, $44,000 per homeless person per year. Um and so are we getting value for that money that's being spent as a state? I will tell you when I look at the private organizations and the private entities that are out there, they do a much more efficient job. That's not a knock on the state of Arizona. It's just, that's the way the world works. St. Vincent de Paul is much better at addressing these issues. And uh, when, you know, St. Mary's Food Bank, in dealing with hunger, the United Food Bank in the East Valley, and there are so many other pantries and food banks, and I don't mean to leave them out. I'm just giving you the ones I'm more closely associated with. They do a fantastic job of addressing the food needs, the hunger needs in their communities. And they do it in a way that is so efficient that it, when you volunteer, and I, I would hope that everybody out there would take the time. You wanna do something life-changing for your kids. You want to do something. That, hey, this happened. I watched this happen at United Food Bank. We did a thing with the Action Alliance. By the way, if you want to join us in the Action Alliance, um, just, uh, just, um, just uh, well, I'll give you the details in a minute. But you, will, um, you can join us. And we went out with the Action Alliance, and we went to United Food Bank. And we filled emergency food bags and there was a woman that brought her, I think it was a 10-year-old son, and she said during the event, she said he did not want to come here today. It was Saturday morning. He wanted to stay home and watch cartoons like any 10-year-old would want, but she made him come, and halfway through the packing party that we had of packing these emergency food bags, he said to his mom, I had no idea there were this many hungry people. She changed that kid's perspective on hunger and on need and how you can be a part of helping people in need in just a visit at 10 years old. He came up and introduced himself to me later on and said he had a great time. So, if you want to change your kids' lives, volunteer somewhere. Go to St. Mary's Food Bank if you're in the in Phoenix and they've got a West Valley location or volunteer with United Food Bank or one that's close to you. Volunteer at St. Vincent de Paul and feel cook and feed a meal to people and it's going to give you a different perspective on what these organizations do because they're so efficient with their with your time. It's not just the That are donated, you know, St. Mary's food bank. I think it's now they can get a five meals or seven meals for a dollar. I can't remember what the number is. And I apologize to them if I got the number wrong, but they're so efficient because they buy in bulk and they take such good care of the money that's donated to them. But they are also so efficient with the donor time because they realize you can take that time away and never go back anytime you want. They're just better at filling the need. So we spend a billion dollars a year on homelessness, but we've gotta prevent people from getting homeless. We have to address the people that are already out there on the streets. When you disperse the people from the zone, the people that are uh, resistant, they, are, um, they don't want to get help. Um, they're service resistant. And so they stay out on the streets and they end up in a park somewhere. Well, what is that doing to the quality of life and the relationship? You know, people are giving in kind, but if they're, you know, they're at the park or their kids are at the park and there's drug paraphernalia and sexual activity and drinking and, and, you know, all that stuff going on, then people just want to get rid of the problem. I just don't want it here. That's what ends up happening. It's not that we don't it's not so much that I'm concerned with it ending. I just don't want it here. I don't want my children facing it. My children shouldn't have to be in the park with needles and things around them. You know, what we have to do is address the problem as best we can, and we have to have a standard where people understand, we know you are going through a difficult time, but if you're service resistant, you're not going to take services, services. there is a level of expectation that we have that you're gonna behave like everybody else does in society. You're not going to relieve yourself outside. You're certainly not going to be allowed to do drugs like nobody else can do drugs. You're not going to leave paraphernalia around. You're not going to litter. You're not going to make a mess. You can't do those things. If we have that standard and we can live by it, people are more likely to want to address the issues and try to solve the problem. So there's so many levels to this that as a community we have to address, but you look at what we just talked about with the issue now of migrants in this country, and I am in favor of, of, of immigration. But when you now are saying, we are so overwhelmed with illegal immigration that we may have to take from Medicare and Medicaid, those safety net programs for lower income people and destabilize those programs, you're A, you're gonna make more people angry, but you're also gonna put more people in a position where they are going to end up homeless. You're going to weaken the programs that are supposed to be the safety nets for the American people. We've got to do a better job with this stuff. There has to be a way to do a better job, and we just are not getting it done. All right, I'm off tomorrow. Kristen Bents will be in. I'm going to be out at the Right to Life March tomorrow uh, as the MC for the rally. If you're a social media user, follow me, at BroomheadKTAR on X. At Broomhead Show updates you on the happenings on the show. Please follow both accounts. And if you're an Instagram user, at uh, Mike Broomhead is where you can find me on Instagram. I'll be back on Monday. I hope you've got a great weekend planned. I'll be out the Right to Life March tomorrow. Until then, God bless.